good evening, everyone, or good morning, good afternoon, whatever time you're watching this. I'm recording this in the evening. It's currently 9.34 p.m. on the East Coast, but welcome to Marlins HQ. This is episode number 11. I am your host, as usual, Ryan Schlesinger, and today we have a guest on the show, big Marlins fan and a big Marlins Twitter user. We have Romeo on the show. Welcome in, Romeo. How's it going? How's it going? Yeah, it's going good, and... You know, we're ready to talk some Marlins baseball. A lot of topics to go over today following the Marlins win and the Marlins series win. So my first question for you, Romeo, is just what are your thoughts on the series in general overall, winning three out of four against the Pirates? Could have won. They could have won. They could have swept the series, could have won four of four, but they blew the save in the in the second game of the series. A.J. Puck blew it. But what were your just general thoughts on the series? Um. I just felt the offense needed to score more runs. And they faced not very good pitchers. They, they didn't face Ranzi Contreras, even though I think that he is in their bullpen now. Um, you faced someone, L.L. Ortiz. That was the first time I've heard of him. Um, the pitcher from yesterday, I believe that was the first time I've heard of him. And you were only able to score one run. They were all going into the eighth, the eighth inning. Um, you did your best against Mitch Keller, which was – Probably the same thing that happened with the uh, Braxton Berrios or Braxton with um, uh, Jose Berrios uh, the other day with um, against Toronto. You just got to do good when they have don't have their best guys out there and they didn't do that. And that's probably why they lost that series against Toronto. And another reason why they lost they lost one game today uh, or the other day against um, Pittsburgh. You just didn't score enough runs. You can't one run isn't sustainable for a for a team to win a to win a series. Yeah, I agree with what you said and we got very lucky that we were, were able to win this series because it's very uh very hard to win a four game series no matter who you're facing even though the Pirates they were coming into this on a riding an 11 game losing streak and it ended up being a 12 game losing streak before they were able to take the second game of the series. It's crazy that if the Marlins did sweep the Pirates, we would have uh forced them to a 15-game losing streak, which is absurd. But the Pirates are uh, in the middle of a very rough stretch, probably one of the roughest stretches that they've had, even though they are an awful franchise as of recent, but probably one of their rough, uh, roughest stretches that they've had for the past few years. And uh, now we got a lot more topics to discuss. And I want to start off with Yuri Perez, because this guy is just unbelievable what Yuri Perez has been able to do. He has an ERA. Uh, let me double check. I know it's 1.30 something. 36. but I think it's 36. Yeah, 1.36. Thanks, Romeo. And uh, he's just been unbelievable. That's all you need to see. He has more strikeouts than innings pitched. He, he averages so he, he averages over uh, nine strikeouts per nine. The K per nine is right near 10. He, he's just unbelievable. And he matched a career high in innings and strikeouts today. He goes six innings. And he gets eight strikeouts. Another phenomenal performance from Yuri Perez. What would it take for Yuri Perez to get into the All-Star game? Do you think he has a chance to get the honors? Obviously, they said on Fish on First Twitter Spaces that he would not pitch because of the innings limit. But do you think he has a a chance to get the All-Star honors and add it to his accolades and his first career accolade? And as only a 20-year-old, it's crazy how young he is. Um, I don't think so. To be really honest with you, I don't think I think they're gonna 
look at his innings and his inning limit and that he's only been up and he hasn't really faced the best competition, if you want to be honest. But even though he, what he's still doing is amazing, jumping from double A to MLB and still dominating like he was doing in double A. But it's just it also all comes down to who's the coach. And if he decides like, hey, this guy does deserve a shot, I think that he does deserve his shot. Um, but it is that is something to look at is his first real competition that is great besides Seattle, even though he did amazing in Seattle is this, these Atlanta Braves, that team just can't not lose. If they do lose, the Marlins lose. So it's – you you have to see if he if he gives you a good performance, good six innings, only a couple runs, you got to look at it that way. Maybe he, he does deserve a spot because this is the one of, that's one of the best teams in baseball right now. Um, and it's just – yeah, you, you, you just can't not give that guy a – a shot at the all-star game even if he's not going to pitch an inning if he just is just there to get it like jazz was the other last year he was he wasn't able to play he was just there you know that's something that he you just got to give him his flowers for and i think that he he does deserve to be an all-star if if that's for, for me but to be realistic i don't think that they're going to give it to him yeah he definitely deserves it with the way he's been pitching He's been so elite, especially for a 20-year-old. It's it's unbelievable what he's doing. We haven't seen anyone do this since Jose Fernandez did it when he was a rookie. And it, words can't even describe how good he has been. And kind of a follow-up question, a similar question. How about Braxton Garrett? Do you think he has a chance maybe at getting the all-star honors? Because he has been very good too. And I know that one outing where he gave up, I think it was 10 runs and 11 earned. 11, I think. Oh, yeah. It was 11 earned. I, I think one of them might have been under. I'm not sure. But regardless, you get the point. He gave up a ton of runs in that one outing to the Braves. And Skip Schoenmacher kept them out, kept him out there for way too long because the bullpen – was so was on such short rest, so you need to get as much as you could out of Garrett. But that kind of hurt his ERA. But if the voters are smart enough, the managers and everyone else who votes on the All Star game for pitchers, there's no fan voting for pitchers. Do you think they'll look at his game logs and see he had one awful game where he just was out there for too long, and he's been phenomenal otherwise, and he's had a ERA in the low threes, very low threes. If you remove that one start, do you think Braxton Garrett has a chance to maybe get the honors? Because there's not a ton of dominant NL pitchers this year. It's not really like last year. And I, I do think that he does deserve a spot, even if he doesn't pitch. Like, again, if you're not going to put him in, if you if you are, I think he does deserve his, his opportunity in that the in that position. He's been one of the best NL pitchers in the MLB. Uh, started in the bullpen, even though he shouldn't. I've, I think I've put my, what's it called, my thoughts on this Cueto of, uh, the signing of Cueto, uh, in years past, I think it was just a bad sign. And before this year started, and I think that Braxton the area did enough last year to deserve that fifth starter role and not be put in that bullpen. And it's the same thing with that like I was going to say with Dury Perez that if either one of them started at were the ones to start that started this year over Johnny Cueto, either, both of them would either be in the bull, it would be in the all star game. It's just, it's just the innings missing then that that bad game against Atlanta that it's like okay maybe he, he isn't that good but even though he has been that good just maybe looking at it like that um I I just think that he does deserve it he's probably been like since May well, he's been like May 14th he's been the best pitcher in the MLB I believe that's what it's that was one of his it's up there in the NL yeah uh, I read some stat around there he's his, his FIP and stuff that's all that's up 
Um, yeah, he's just been dominant, and he just he does he does deserve to be there. It's again, like it, like we said, it's the same thing with Yuri. It's up to the whoever the coach is or the coach to decide if hey, this guy deserves this shot. Even he's been the best pitcher. This is, this guy deserves a spot, and if they think that he does it, he deserves it. He he give him a shot, but you'd never know. Yeah, I definitely think he does have a better chance to get in there uh, than Yuri Perez because Garrett's been up for pretty much the whole season. I think he missed uh, the first start, and then he immediately replaced Cueto after Cueto went to the IL uh, in the first opening in the first week of the season in, in opening week. And Garrett's been here ever since, and he's been. I mean, you could debate for Yuri being our most consistent pitcher, but since Garrett's been up in the majors for a few more weeks than Yuri Perez. I think it was like a month and a half more, maybe. I would say Garrett's been our most consistent just because he hasn't really had any bad games other than that Braves game, which was horrible. But all of his other starts were pretty much either decent or great. Like, he not, does not miss. He's been very consistent. So now we have a call in here. We have Jake Morgenstein calling in from Illinois. Jake, what's your question for us? Hi, guys. How you uh, doing? I'm doing good. Thank you so very much for asking, Romeo. My question comes from the most recent series. Taking three out of four from the Pittsburgh Pirates is definitely a big achievement for this Marlins team. Come playoff time, do you think if they get a jump start to a series when winning the first or second game, do you think that they could close out series like they did against the Pittsburgh Pirates today and the rest of this weekend? Well, I'll answer that question first, Jake, and then Romeo can go. But I think closing out series in the playoffs, if we're talking playoffs, which is, again, it's very far, but I would assume we're talking about the wild card series is what you would mainly talk about. But closing out series, I think that would be kind of a something that the Marlins could do very well because they've been so good at closing out games with their bullpen and that again it's kind of a weird question that you asked not a bad question but just a weird question I think but I think they will be able to close out series if they could get their best pitching performance that's what it's going to need to be because they showed that they don't have to score a ton of runs to win if they're pitching uh twirls like they did today a shutout another shutout from the Marlins the Marlins have had a ton of shutouts this season but their pitching has been top notch I think since May 14th They've had one of the best pitching rotations. I think the best pitching rotation ERA-wise in baseball is just uh, April wasn't as good. So if you look at the whole season, their ERA compared to other teams is more middle of the pack. But I I think the Marlins will be good at closing out series if it comes to trying to close out a wild card series or even a division series if we get there. But first, got to make sure that the Marlins make the playoffs. Yeah, to piggyback off that, um, you got to hit. I mean, they closed out this series because of the pitching. But this is playoffs. You have to be able to hit. I mean, look at what happened to the Phillies. Listen to what Gene Segura said before the start. I know he hasn't been as good, but they that that Phillies team won two games in Houston, I believe it was. They came they came to Philly and got no hit. And they they lost and that was just all their momentum went shifted right right to to Houston. Segura said it. Um, and you could feel it when you were watching that game. Um, it's just there was the playoffs is all about momentum. And if you can't hit and score runs, your momentum is all shifted on your pitching. And at the end of the day, 
pitching is a lot of bending and not breaking. And at a, some, a certain point, you will end up breaking because these are professional hitters and these teams are in the playoffs for a reason. It's not just they're in the playoffs because they just barely made it. Some teams do that, but this those teams make the playoffs and they have those superstars. Um, yeah, it's just you have those guys, and you, if you're going to have those guys on your team, you got to be able to, to score runs, and you got to be able to score more than one, against, especially against bad pitching. And that's what this series was. It was a bunch of bad pitching and bad pitchers that came up for the – the Pirates and and, and I, I felt like I said, this was a very these these last two series were very sweepable. They like they just haven't after they scored a lot of runs they just had like no momentum going into the next game. They scored no runs and it's just you have to be able to hit and score runs in the playoffs and that's something that's a very important. Yeah, and uh, my next question for you, Romeo, and I'll t- make my take on this first about Josh Chisholm, who is returning. Uh, supposed to be in the lineup on Tuesday. Well, I shouldn't say supposed to. We're not sure if they'll maybe use him off the bench in his first game back. But he's supposed to be back on the active roster starting Tuesday. He is in Boston right now, so he's left Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, who he was on rehab assignment with, and he will return with the Marlins for the series in Fenway. I'm sure we'll at least see him for one or two games in starting lineup in this series. But a lot of people are talking about where do you bat Jazz Chisholm in the order because Jesus Sanchez, Jorge Soler, and Brian De La Cruz are not too hot right now. Their only really hot hitter right now has been uh, – well, Garrett Cooper has been a little better recently. Stats have picked up, but their only really hot hitter has been Luis Arise. He's obviously their most consistent because of how good he's really been. But I'm going to be honest. I think that they should probably hit Jazz Chisholm third like what they were doing earlier this season. And Arai should stay in that leadoff spot. Jazz is so fast. He's not a leadoff hitter, though, because he's his approach has been he's hitting for a ton of power this year, and he's trying to swing for the fences. Unless he changes his approach, he's no leadoff hitter. But I see him as a perfect three-hitter. A lot of other people are saying that he should be the six-hitter. I personally think he shouldn't be batting behind guys like Brian De La Cruz and Jesus Sanchez, who are so inconsistent. I don't think that if you look at their – numbers on the overall season they just don't look like they are uh they just don't look like great players they look like good players is not great but they can be great when they are hot so what is your take on where jazz should hit um my take where he should hit and then i'm thinking about where i really would put him and it's just you have to put him in an odd number and i would say either you could say three six and some people said nine today, and I actually uh, I agree with nine, but I also disagree with nine because you could put him nine, right? And he if he hits for a good amount of contact and he actually like makes and he gets the ball in play, he has a very very good chance at bringing making it a lot easier for someone like Luis Arise to bring him around because I said this right before he got hurt, and right before all that he was hitting. And he was getting singles, and when he make when he hits a single, it turns into a double, and this or, or yeah, like a double, sometimes even a triple, because he when you get on when something with that guy with that kind of speed, you're there's not much you could do to throw him out. He was he's been thrown out like maybe once or twice this year. When he was, uh, he has like 14 steals. He leads he leads the the Marlins in them, and he's been out for I don't know how many days, and that's what that's my one problem that I've had. 
with John Birdie that he's he's John Birdie's getting on the same clip, but we're not gonna make it about him. Um, you 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 gotta put him in a position where you think that he can succeed, and if you think that six is good, even though I I agree with you say like maybe someone like Sanchez who hasn't been hitting great, you could put him six. Um, five is also a really good spot for for someone like Jazz. I would also agree going off of my my odd my threes. You could put him five, not the power hitter, but can start something on the back back end of the rotation of the of the lineup. Um, who else can you really put him up? You could put like I said, like nine. He's just in such a weird spot with this lineup at the moment because that one and two is really solidified. Really, it's Solaire and it's a rise in Solaire, and like you can give him three and he could beat out what has been happening in the double plays this year. That's really what has been killing us all year this year because he has that speed to beat him out. Um, you can put him. He didn't want to be at four. He said he's not a he's not a cleanup hitter this year, but. Yeah, you you gotta like put him in slots where you believe where you believe that he will make the most impact. And in my opinion, it would either be three, five, or nine. I don't really think that it, six is that. Like I, I've been talking about it to myself. Like six is not the best because let's say you do end up getting there at six, you're banking on uh whoever whoever would be seven, Jacob Stallings or Nick Fortes. And whoever whoever's nine which should probably be John Birdie or Jonathan Davis at that point in the lineup to to bring you in, where at least at at nine you won't you will have a Luis Arise if you do get on base. So you have two two leadoff hitters back to back. If you have them at five, you can bring in a guy like Cooper or Guriel who can bring him in at home or can bring him in. They have they have a hit tool that's been pretty decent this year. Um, Three, you got, like you said, three, you have someone like De La Cruz behind them, someone like Sanchez behind them. I didn't bring up Sanchez, but you could put Sanchez six. And that's that's where I think he you can I think that he will be his best. Because I don't think six is the best spot for him when it comes to RBIs and runs scored. Yeah, and I might have actually changed my mind listening to you because I'm not sure what they're actually gonna do now. I was thinking three. But honestly, I think five could actually be the better option now that I think about it because he would be right in the middle of the order. You would need to maybe flip things around a little bit and try and get the hottest hitter behind him other than the top of your order, like Gurriel or Cooper if they're hot, or maybe put Jesus Sanchez in there at the sixth spot or even Brian De La Cruz. I'm also not too opposed to ninth, even though it's not flashy, being the nine hitter, and it's not supposed to be one of your best players because he, other than Luis Arise, when Jazz Chisholm's hot, he, he is their best player on the team. And I know he does go through some, some slumps, but he's capable of being – he has the potential to be their second-best player of the te- on the team because of how much power he has and how explosive he is. But there's definitely a lot of options. That's all I'm going to say to finish off this topic. And now we're going to move on to our final segment of the show. We're running on to um, about 20 minutes right now, and I wanted to talk about some trade deadline targets. I know you have something on that with uh, Justin Lawrence. You always mention him on the Fish on First Twitter spaces, <laughs> so I know you're a big fan of him. But one name that I just wanted to mention, and I'll pro- I might write an article about him and just some trade targets on the White Sox that I could definitely see the Marlins being a trade partner with the White Sox this season at the deadline. But one guy I wanted to mention was Jake Berger, who I see as a 
realistic option. I also asked Eli and the Fish on First crew about him and what they think. And Jake Berger could be a realistic possibility, whether you get him him as the only player on the White Sox, maybe get a prospect with him. He's not an elite player or a necessarily hyped up player to get just a – as a getting him as the only player from the White Sox. So I think you could get him in a, a package, maybe trade three guys for two, or we'll see how the Marlins do it. But Jake Berger has 17 home runs this year, and you need some more power because the Marlins do not hit a lot of home runs. And even if you're the most casual fan, you would know that the Marlins do not hit a lot of homers. So you need that uh, opportunity to hit some long balls, and that would come in Jake Berger. He does swing and miss a ton which is a worry, but the Marlins do have a ton of players that don't swing and miss a lot, like Yuli Gurriel, Luis Arise. They have a lot of good contact guys to kind of make up for that. They're not a team that struggles too heavily with striking out. They've been putting the ball in play a lot, which is part of the reason why they ground into so many double plays, but at the bottom bottom line is that they do uh, put the ball in play a lot, but Jake Berger is, he has a ton of raw power. He's in the 99th percentile in barrel rate, and he his max exit velocity is in the 100th percentile. So he's a very strong guy when he gets a hold of one. He just a lot. He's a great pull hitter. He plays in third base, not a great fielder, but he has a ton of potential. Um, so, yeah, I, I like the look of Jake Berger and some other guys on the White Sox, like maybe Lucas Giolito like Ismani Grandal, too, at the catcher. So what are your some of your potential uh, trade targets at the deadline other than a White Sox? Well, Jose Caballero is one name that is going to go underrated for a lot of people. And if um, – let me look at the standings at the moment where the Seattle Mariners are at because if they're at a point where they can't – they don't think they're going to be competitive enough and the Marlins can get him, he's a third baseman. He played against the Marlins. He hit that that in that eight three game. He was the one that really broke open the game in the back end. It was um, he hit a triple down the line. Um, yeah, the Mariners are in fourth place, thirty seven and thirty nine at the moment. So that's an under underrated name if you're gonna try and get someone. He um, like I said, he's somebody that you can replace John Birdie with, in my opinion. Um, he likes to steal. He he has that that tool that you that you would want. He's a tool is not the best, but it's not the worst either. Um yeah, he's he's just he plays third, he could play second, he plays short. So he's pretty much just a younger John Birdie if you're looking for a younger John Birdie. Because I know John Birdie's not really hundred percent. That's what Skip said. The um that's why he's not stealing. And um yeah that's one name. Another name that I was looking at um got called up. I I I don't know. I was gonna ask Eli this question on fish on first, but I really didn't have enough time to ask him. But um, on, when you're a twenty seventh man and you get called up, is that waste one of your options? I don't really remember if it does or not. I don't think um, so. I don't think it should. I was actually wondering that too when you mentioned that uh, the London series, how they called up that the Cardinals called up that catcher as their twenty seventh man. I would assume not. Otherwise, I don't think teams would w- really want to use the twenty seventh man. But I'm sure Eli knows that question. Yeah, I I don't think so because he's he's been he's just been that he's he's been pretty good at AAA. His one problem is that when he came when he did come up, he didn't really hit much. But you can always just 
that's with most players when they first come up. A lot of players, not not a lot of players are Ellie De La Cruz. Um, but like I was saying, like he, if he if you can get him to figure it out, he's a good replacement for someone like Stallings, in my opinion. Um, who else would it really replace? Like he, Fortes would probably stay, but he would. Yeah, like I'm just like I'm just thinking of someone like him. He's he's really good at at doing that. He's a good catcher. He good. He calls good games. And I would see if you're gonna sell low on him since they have Wilson Contreras and they have all these other guys. Um, someone like Trevor Rogers, or I know our pitching is low. Our, our pitching isn't the best, but someone someone who isn't as as big to this team. Right now, at the moment, as we, since we do have someone like Yuri Perez, someone like Braxton Garrett, if you can finesse a way to give him Johnny Cueto, if they're really that low on someone like Yvonne Herrera, even though he is a top prospect for him, you can get a way to get him in here like that. I would see him as a good replacement. But yeah, Jake Berger's good. I like I like just to go back on what you said. Someone like Jake Berger would be good. Um, I don't know how. Wait, 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 where did he play? He plays first in the outfield, correct? The corner spots? He, uh, Jake Berger, he plays – well, it says – I'll check his baseball reference where he's played. But under his name, it just says he plays third. I think he can play first too, though. Let's see. Yeah, so he's played third. He's played first three times this year. So he's not really a first baseman, but I guess you could throw him there. And he doesn't play the outfield, though. So he doesn't have a ton of defensive versatility – you're talking about that. Um, and he's played DH 24 times this season, and he's played third base 30 times. So him playing DH 24 times, unless he was dealing with some injury, I don't follow the White Sox very closely, and I haven't uh, researched Jake Berger yet, but I'll start my article on him pretty soon. Uh, but unless he was dealing with some injury, I doesn't doesn't look like he's a very good fielder if he's played DH just six less times than he has played third base this season. Uh, but we'll have to see. Again, the Marlins, they could afford to maybe throw him at DH because they're not an awful fielding team. And we'll have to see. I don't know if Berger would be playing every day, too. I think you could also see him in a pinch hitter role a lot when they are in desperate of a home run or a big double into the gap when it's a very close game and the offense has been pretty dead. Yeah, I see that. Um, yeah, I was going to say DH, that's – that's the really main problem with Cooper at the moment with on this in this lineup because his defense has not been the greatest. It's been in good enough, but um, Solaire is mainly the DH and he can't play like he has. There's something with the outfield grass. He said it before that um that just doesn't let him play to his full extent. And this year he's been ma- mainly the DH and he's been healthy all year and and i'm talking about in lone depot with the outfield grass but um yeah i i don't know it's up to it's really just up to them on how they think that jake they would use jake Berger because if you're gonna trade for someone like that you can't have it they're gonna probably sell high on him most likely the white Sox are because a lot of teams are gonna want someone like jake Berger, someone someone that can hit for power to every part of the field like maybe like a team that's struggling with third base, even though they have someone like Oswald Peraza in there, the Yankees would probably want someone because uh, Josh Donaldson has not been hitting great. Uh, uh, the Angels, 
They, I know they just traded for Eduardo uh, Escobar, but you can never have too many third basemen on your team. Um, Anthony Rendon has not planned out well. If you want someone just like that, you can have him over there. Um, just trying to think of teams that just have haven't had the best third base play this year, and he's and he's one of them that that have not had the best third base play. And you never know with this team. You never know at the trade deadline. Yeah, uh, Romy, I know you wanted to ask me a quick question before we wrap things up here on the Marlins HQ podcast. I've seen that you've gone to a lot of games this year, or not a lot, but I've seen you've come to this to a good amount of games. Um, this year at Lone Depot Park, who is your favorite walk-up song? Um, I'd actually probably I'd probably say John Birdie's or Peyton Burdick's. Burdick has the Family Ties, which is actually yeah. my uh, I use the Family Ties instrumental for the outro on the podcast. So yeah, I'd probably say Birdie's, which is the Still Dre by Dr. Dre, or. Uh, Peyton Burdick's family ties. And I also know Garrett Cooper has a little baby California Breeze walk-up song, which I found kind of funny that Garrett Cooper, out of all people, has little baby as his walk-up song. But, yeah, interesting question. Yeah, mine is easily – I pick out every time I see his his girlfriend or his friends that show up. Um, Brian Hoeing, out of everybody, he you would think he'd walk out to, like, a rock song like most of the guys in the bullpen. No, he comes out to what uh, – I believe it's called What You Know About. Or what about it by uh, Ti? That's one of the, and I'm. Um, that's just that caught me off guard because that's like one of the first ever rap songs that I ever listened to when I was growing up. But my dad in the car in his cold old car that he had, yeah, it's called What You Know. It, it's just, it's an all time classic for me. Every time I listen to it, I just start laughing and I sing the song. And then uh, one time his girlfriend actually called me. She was like, "How do you know this song?" And I was just I told her, and she was like, "Oh." I was like, yeah, he has the best best one on my uh, that I can say on anything. He's the best. I don't think I've ever actually been to a game where Hoeing's pitch as much games that I've been to. Most of the games I go to are very close, and obviously, before Hoeing was in that starting spot, he was pitching in uh, games that weren't very close. He was just an innings eater, kind of going two innings, and games that weren't very close. They would they would use him maybe if they were in extras or they were running out of uh, guys to use if their bullpen was pretty depleted on that day. But they, were, they weren't using him in a lot of close games. So I don't think I've ever seen Hoeing pitch. But hopefully I can in the future at least once this season. Uh, but, yeah, interesting. That's going to be all today, folks, on the Marlins HQ podcast. Thanks for listening. If you're listening on Spotify or watching video version, if you're on YouTube, I am Ryan Schlesinger, joined alongside Call Me Romeo on Twitter. I'm Marlins Ryan on Twitty on Twitter. Thanks for watching, everyone, and I will see you on episode 12. Let's go, Marlins. Go fish.